Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove in the historic synagogue across from the art museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tikvatdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week or contact us on our website tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So I'd like to start off by doing something we did a little bit earlier. I would like everyone to please stand up, and I want you to introduce yourself to someone, at least one person, if not two. So go ahead, go for it. I said one or two, not three or four. All right, make your way back. How did that go? Went well? The instruction was to introduce yourself. So what did you say? Who would like to report on what they said? Yes, Scott, what did you say? (laughs) You said that or Willie Kaplan said that? So you got it backwards. So you introduce yourself with your name, but you use the wrong name. Use the name of the person you were introducing yourself to. That's okay. It's a common mistake. (laughs) Anyone else want to share how it went? Really? That's our only example? (laughs) All right, you may be seated. Thank you. How many of you said something along the lines of, hello, my name is? Yes, raise your hand if you did that. Excellent, excellent. That's usually the first thing you say when you meet someone, right? When you introduce yourself. Names are important. It reminds me of this anecdote, which I'm not sure if it's true or not. A chemistry professor was conducting a final exam, and he was an extremely difficult professor and told his students that all writing must stop when he calls the time. Anyone who doesn't stop will automatically fail the exam. So these are high stakes here. The class is in a large auditorium and is required for all chemistry students. At the end, all the students, except for one, finish as instructed. The one student keeps writing furiously for 30 seconds or so until he is stopped by the professor who tells him he has failed the exam because he kept going. The student walks to the front of the room with his blue book and attempts to argue. The professor doesn't budge, so finally the student says, excuse me, do you know who I am? Professor sneers and says, no, I don't. And the student asks again, professor, Do you know who I am? Professor says, no, and it wouldn't matter. I would never show favoritism because of a student's connections. Whereupon the student says, great, and sticks his blue book in the middle of the stack and runs out the room. So names really do matter, right? Take this speech from a young woman. You may have heard this speech before. This is from a young woman named Juliet. She says, wherefore... Art thou Romeo? Which doesn't mean, where are you, Romeo? What does it mean? Why? It means, why are you Romeo, right? Wherefore matches a therefore. Why are you Romeo? Why is she asking this? Because Romeo, his name and his first and last name are associated with a rival family, a family that hates her family. So she's wondering Why is this your name? And this is what she says. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? 
deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. That's her last name. Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? That's his last name. It is nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo doth thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. Thank you. Thank you. Shakespeare here is uh, thinking like a Greek philosopher, not like a Jewish rabbi. In this philosophy, names are arbitrary. Why is your name Romeo? It could be anything else. It could be Shmomeo. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Why is your last name Montague? It could be anything else. The name itself is merely a label. We might as well call a table a Shmabel. Doesn't make any difference, according to Shakespeare. But in the Bible, it does matter. The name and the identity are connected. Think of the name changes that we see from Avram or Abram to what? What does he become? Avraham, Abraham. That's from a great father to father of many, indicating that we are all Jew and Gentile, children of Abraham through Yeshua the Messiah. Isn't that cool? How God changed his name in preparation for that. That would happen, you know, many years later. Or think about Jacob. What does Yaakov mean? It's like a conniver, right? It's like a heel grabber. That's his given name. But then the Lord gives him a new name, which is what? Israel, wrestler with God. Wouldn't you rather be a wrestler with God than a conniver? He adds that to him. Or in the New Testament, we think of Simon, Shimon, which means being heard. And what does Yeshua add to that? He adds Peter, Kepha, which is what? A rock, because that is the role that he would play in the early Messianic Jewish community. And we see his character totally become this amazing rock for the community after Yeshua ascends. When I go to a coffee shop and they ask for a name, do you know what I say? Garbanzo, how did you know? <laughs> you must have gotten coffee with me. All right, I tell them that because I'm a human being. So this brings me to another point. For Hanukkah, a member of this congregation, who shall not be named in the microphone, but she knows who she is, got me this, dad jokes. Apparently, terrible dad jokes are what some of you think of when you think of me. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Here's one. Here's an example. I was wondering why the tennis ball kept getting bigger and bigger. And then it hit me. Dad jokes, apparently, are part of my name. That is my reputation. Your name, your Shem in Hebrew, can you say Shem? Has a similar connotation to what it does in English. That's how, why we understand this proverb. This is from Proverbs 22, verse one. Let's say it together. A good name is to be chosen rather than great wealth and grace rather than silver or gold. Let's read the first part again. A good name is to be chosen rather than great wealth. 
Mm. Even more important than money is what? A good name. What does that mean? Does that mean awesome McCool name? What is the scripture saying? No, what does it mean? It means a good reputation. We can't control or worry about what everyone thinks of us, but we can be consistent and faithful in our avodah, in our work and service, in such a way to cultivate a good name in the community, a reputation of stability and faithfulness. Your name is an extension of your identity. It's what we use to sign checks or legal documents, right? If you put your name on something, what does that mean? It means you put your reputation on it. So why does this matter? Because not only do you have a name that is not just, you know, Eric, but a reputation, identity. Who else has a name? The Lord, God. God has a name, which is at the heart of this week's Torah portion. If we want to know ourselves, and if we want to know God, we must know his what? His name, his Shem, that's right. And that doesn't just mean literally just knowing the name of God, but also the meaning of it, the identity of God, the reputation of that name. God's name and identity is at the core of understanding who we are and also who God is. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From him, every family in heaven and earth receives its name. We all get our identity, our name from the Lord because he is the origin of all things. He is the name above all names. We often try to get our identity and sense of self from ourselves, right? Or maybe our relationship. If this person likes me, then that makes me worth something. We get our sense of identity from our work. We can get our sense of identity from our accomplishments. We can get our sense of identity from our mistakes, our failures. We can associate, oh, that's me. I'm this, this terrible thing that I did. But none of that is true. What is our aim? To get our name, our sense of identity from who? From the Lord. Because he is the one that we, every family in heaven and earth, receives our name from him. We should be getting our identity from God. So what is one way, if you think about it in another way, what is one way that an evil entity can strip someone of their humanity if they take away your name? There are situations in history where prisoners are given a number instead of a name, and that is an attempt to do exactly that. Holocaust victims had a number forcibly tattooed on their arm. Obviously, that's an attempt to get rid of the God-given identity, right? The name of someone. So we want to move away from that namelessness toward what? Toward compassion, toward understanding the importance of our names, importance of other people's names and identities, and understanding the name and identity and reputation of God. And that brings us to this week's Parsha. After the calling of Moses from the burning bush, the Lord explains this to Moses at the very beginning of the Parsha. This is the first verse of it, Exodus 6, starting in verse 2. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Adonai. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. Yet by my name, Adonai, did I not make myself known to them. This version of the Bible, the Tree of Life version, has Adonai in all caps for the name of God. So you notice he's saying his name. I am Adonai. In some Bibles, it says Lord with all all capitals or something like that. And that is a placeholder for this word, yud heh vav heh 
okay? Traditionally, in Judaism, this name is not pronounced, but this is the name of God that he's talking about in this chapter. Sometimes it's mispronounced as Yah, and then there's another part, and there's another way to mispronounce it, which is Jeho, and then there's a second part to that. But traditionally in Judaism, we don't say this. Why? Well, it's out of respect for God's name, and also the correct pronunciation is lost. So the only person who ever spoke the name of God out loud, even in first temple and second temple times, was the high priest. And even then, it was only once a year on Yom Kippur that he would say the name of God out loud. If that pronunciation is lost, what does that mean? We don't want to pronounce it wrong. That would be very disrespectful. Those of us who have a kind of a different name, we understand the sting of someone pronouncing our name incorrectly. Raise your hand if someone's ever pronounced your name wrong. Really? (laughs) What did they say? (laughs) Friedman? Oh, okay. The last day. Yeah. <laughs> Friedman. Yes. Okay. So we, we're kind of like, yeah, that's annoying to us, right? So imagine doing that, but disrespecting the Lord that way. We wouldn't want to do that. Okay. So it's a sort of a Kalvacholmer situation. Also, in general, we want to show respect to God. It's kind of like uh, if during the American Civil War, someone walked up and said, uh, hey, what's up, Abe? Instead of, good morning, President Lincoln. Could you imagine someone saying the first one? No, no way. <laughs> if we would show respect to President Lincoln's name, then Kalvachomer, how much more should we show respect to the name of God? So in Judaism, we have two other terms. In the context of worship, or avodah, we say Adonai, which is what was in the scripture here, instead of God's name, which basically means Lord. In many scenarios, we also say Hashem, that's right, which literally means the name. If someone came up to me after the sermon and said, you know, your jokes really weren't all that bad, I would say, Baruch Hashem, (laughs) right? Which means literally bless the name, Hashem. Figuratively, it means thank God or bless God, but it uses Hashem as a stand-in for saying the name of God because it's more respectful that way. So let's remind ourselves of the passage we just read. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Adonai, yud Vavhe. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob as El Shaddai, yet by my name, Adonai, did I not make myself known to them. Most rabbis took this to mean that the essence of God's identity as yud Vavhe in the Exodus story, which God was about to reveal to Moses and the Israelites, that idea of God, that identity of God, was not known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They understood some parts of God. They understood God as El Shaddai, the provider. They understood God as the creator, but they did not yet know the redeemer. They had not yet gone to to Egypt and been rescued from Egypt. So they did not know the Redeemer. They did not yet know the great I am and the fullness of his saving from slavery. They did not yet know the fullness of his kingship, his being a husband to Israel. This is how Dr. Sarna puts it in the JPS Torah commentary, quote, the names of gods were immediately identified with their nature, status, and function. So that to say, I did not make myself known to them by my name, yud is to state that the patriarchs did not experience the essential power associated with that name. The promises made to them belong to a distant future, which is what is happening now in Exodus, unquote. That saving identity, that rescuing nature, is what the Lord says to Moses in the next few verses. So now he's going to describe 
why he's revealing this new name, in a sense, this newness of his identity to Moses and what that's all about. And this is what he says. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage where they journeyed. Furthermore, I've heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians are keeping in bondage. So I've remembered my covenant. Therefore say to B'nai Yisrael, I am Adonai and I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you to myself as a people and I will be your God. What is he describing here? He's describing his identity. Who delivers from bondage? A savior. Who redeems with an outstretched arm and great judgments? A warrior king. Who takes the people to himself to be his people? A husband. He's describing his name to Moses and what he's going to do. You will know that I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. So I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give it to you as an inheritance. I am yud heh I am Adonai, right? So that means he's a God that keeps his promises. He keeps his covenants. yud heh is a God who rescues like a savior, who redeems his people from the brink like a warrior king, who takes his people unto himself like a husband. He is defining his name, his identity, a new revelation for Israel and for Moses. From this point on, God is not only creator, but also what? Redeemer. He is both. He is both provider and savior. He is both sustainer and covenant keeper. So what does that mean for us? It means the Bible is a continuing revelation of who God is. That's why people in the scriptures ascribe new names to God based on their situation and revelation. Here are just some of the names of God just using yod heh but there are others. And we said some this morning. So we have Adonai Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And that has to do with the banner of unity and protection after a battle. Adonai Roe, the Lord is my shepherd. Adonai Rufecha, or sometimes Adonai Rafa, which means what? I am the Lord that heals you. Speaking of banners, it's on a banner right there. Ani Adonai Rofecha. And it's from Exodus 15. If you diligently listen to the voice of Adonai, your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his mitzvot and keep his decrees. I'll put none of the diseases on you, which I've put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's a new revelation about who God is. Adonai Shema, the Lord is there. Adonai Tzikenu, the Lord, our righteousness. He is not only righteous, but he is our righteousness. He gives us an imputed, a given righteousness so that we can have his favor and his favor and how he sees us is as righteous, even though we have, we have made mistakes. Adonai Mikodish Chem, the Lord who sanctifies you from the Kadosh, from that root. Adonai Yireh, the Lord will provide or the Lord sees. Adonai Shalom, the Lord is peace. Adonai Tsevaot, the Lord of angel armies. There are stories for each one of these where the person went through something and then at the end of it, they said, now I know that he is the Lord that does this. And they give that, ascribe that name to the Lord. So the question is, who has the Lord revealed himself to be in your life? As I look back on my life, I understand the Lord as, I would say, Adonai Rabbeinu. The Lord is our teacher. The Lord is our rabbi because that's how I know him. 
I see how he uses situations in my life to teach me something, to refine me as I go along. I love learning from the Lord, my rabbi. And I've seen the Lord also provide for me, sometimes in miraculous ways, and provide for my son in ways that I cannot explain naturally. So now I know, once I go through that, that he is what? The Lord who provides, because I've experienced it. I've learned God's faithfulness through my own mistakes and how full of grace and compassion he is, how patient he is with me when I fall down and he helps me to get back up. So that is the Lord who is faithful, the Lord who is full of grace. I've experienced that. So the Bible does the same thing. As someone goes through something, they name the Lord and we should do likewise and we have. So the point is to think about what has the Lord shown me? What names has the Lord revealed to me in my experience that I can ascribe back to him? The Lord is what? What what are you filling in in your head? (laughs) Go ahead and say it out loud. The Lord is our rock. Amen. Adonai Tzuri. The Lord is our help. Ozer, our helper. That also describes, of course, this is part of the identity of the Lord, but the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Lord is our shepherd. Amen. Adonai Ori, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is the primordial light of, he dwells in light and he shines the light in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. So this is what we need to do to encourage ourselves and to encourage one another. Ascribe these names to the Lord. There is a sense, another sense, that the name, the literal name, yud vav is a way for the Lord to reveal himself, but also not reveal himself at the same time. What do I mean? Well, this is a name of the Lord, Yudhei but he has a lot of names because we don't understand all of God in a particular revelation. So there's different ways to describe him. He's also El Elyon. Didn't we say that earlier? God most high. He's also Elohim, which is a plural word for a singular person. It's very interesting. If you see it in other places in the Bible, it means God's with an S. Talking about the Lord, it means God, because he's so big and so great that he has that plural within himself. The writers of the Bible trying to use a limited language to describe something that is almost indescribable. That's what they're using. They're using these names, but all of these names fall short to some degree, because there's no name that perfectly describes all of who God is, and that's why there's so many. So the question is, what is his name? If, if it's not quite yud heh and it's not el el and it's not Elohim, and it's not Adonai Rufecha, if those are just partially right, then what is the real answer? What is the Lord's name? A lot of these names can be seen as a title. So for example, a few chapters earlier in Exodus 3, he's talking about yud heh as well, but Moses and God have this exchange. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God answers Moses, I am who I am. Is that a direct answer? No, it's a title. He's saying, this is not a straight answer. What's your name? My name is, I am who I am. In other words, God is saying, he is the one from whom everyone gets 
their being. That's what we saw in Ephesians 3, right? All being, all existing starts with God because it's the same story of scripture. This is Exodus 3 and and our Parsha is Exodus 6. It's still Moses and God talking. A lot of scholars connect yud heh vav heh with this and a lot of the letters are the same. So the yud heh vav heh name means that he is the what? He is the great I am. He is the one from whom everything else gets their sense of identity and being. There are many before this event and after this event who are trying to find out the name of God. Aren't you curious? What is God's name? Is it I am who I am? Is it yod heh Is it the Lord who heals you? There was another person a little before this who uh, was trying to find out the name of God. And I'm thinking of Jacob. He's wrestling all night with a certain man and they have this exchange. This is what happens. So Jacob remained all by himself. Then a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. When he saw that he had not overcome him, he struck the socket of his hip. So he dislocated the socket of Jacob's hip when he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn has broken. But he said, I won't let you go because he's a heel grabber, right? Unless you bless me. Then he said to him, what's your name? So they're just having nice introductions, just like you guys did a few minutes ago. Jacob, he said. Then he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but rather Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and you have overcome. Then Jacob asked and said, and it's only polite, what does he say? Please tell me your name. But he said, what's this? You're asking my name? And then he blessed him. So that's his name, right? (laughs) He's deflecting. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face and my life has been spared. He was face to face with God. He asked God, what's your name? And God said, why are you asking about my name? And he blessed him. Interesting. (laughs) God is answering a question with a question. I think that's, yeah, it's typical, right? Also very Jewish. God is not revealing his actual full name. Have you ever read the story of the parents of Samson? There's a very similar thing going on here. This is about Manoah, who is Samson's father, when they have a visitation from the angel of the Lord about a remarkable son who will deliver them from the Philistines. Manoah wants to give him something to eat. So this is what he says. The angel of Adonai said to Manoah, if you could detain me, I would not eat your food. But if you present a burnt offering, then offer it to Adonai, for Manoah did not realize that he was the angel of Adonai. Then Manoah asked the angel of God, what's your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of Adonai said to him, why do you ask for my name? It is wonderful. (laughs) Do you think his name is literally wonderful? No, it's another deflection. And here, let's remind ourselves that the angel of the Lord, this is not an angel, but this is the angel of the Lord, is a stand-in for the Lord himself in many other areas of scripture. The final question is, what is the name of the Lord? We've gone through the whole Old Testament practically, the whole Tanakh, and we haven't figured it out. He continually talks around the issue in the Bible. He is the I am. His name is wonderful whatever it is, what is the name above every name? What is the name that can send out the powers of evil? In what name 
Are we saved from slavery? What is the name of the Lord? What is his name? Yeshua. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In English, it's Jesus. In Spanish, Jesus. In Arabic, Yeshur. It's not the language. It's the person. Yeshua, Jesus. That is the name of the Lord. We know his name, finally. We can tell Moses. We can tell Jacob. We can tell Manoah. We finally know his name. Let's close with the letter to the Romans. This was written by Paul in uh, chapter 10. But what does it, that is the Torah, say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. For if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You will be saved. You'll be saved from your sins. For with the heart it is believed for righteousness and with the mouth it is confessed for salvation. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. Whoever trusts in his name. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, richly generous to all who call on him. For, and this is a quote from the Tanakh, from the Hebrew Bible. Everyone who calls on the name of Adonai, the name of the Lord, will be saved. What's his name? Yeshua. And I'm not talking about just saying that name. I'm talking about those who trust in his identity. Because his identity is linked to the God of Israel. He, his name is the revealed name of yud heh vav -Heh. That's what the scripture is saying. I want to encourage all of us to call on the name of Yeshua, not only for the salvation of our sins, but for all of our needs. The Lord has revealed his name, his identity, the name that Jacob and Moses and Manoah long to know. What's your name? Why do you ask my name? We finally know. Let us seek the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus. Let us seek to know him more and more, not just his literal name, but his identity, who he is. Let us name the Lord in our lives. Ascribe these things. When the Lord brings you through something, we can say, now I know you are the Lord who blank. I know you in this way. Let us seek to know him more and more as we entrust more and more of ourselves to him. Amen. Avinu, our father, El Elyon, God most high, Adonai Tzikenu, the Lord, our righteousness, Adonai Rafa, Lord, the healer, Adonai, we trust you and we love you. Help us to follow you. Help us to know you more and more, not just in the synagogue, but in our daily lives, to know you, to ascribe new names to you as you reveal yourself. Would you please reveal yourself in new ways to us? in our struggles, because there are ways that we need you, Lord. There are ways that we need healing. We need to know that you are the Lord who heals. We need to know that you are the Lord who provides. And you long to show us, because you're a good father, and you love to reveal yourself. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us 
your name, Yeshua, the name above all names, the name that the evil ones flee at the sound of it and the mention of his name, not just the name itself, but the identity, the person, Lord, and help us to take our identity and our personhood from you and not from anything else, Lord, to do that soul work, Lord, with you and perhaps with those that we trust, with uh, trusted counselors, Lord. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for your continuing revelation to us. And we thank you for uh, healing us and providing for us. And in Yeshua's name we pray, in the name above every name. Amen. <laughs>